What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode number 41 of the Two Metal for This podcast. I'm Jason. With me, as always, is Justin. How's it going, everybody? And Bobby. Bobby motherfucking McDermott. As always, want to start out by saying thank you for listening. We appreciate your support. You can continue to show your support by doing any or all of the following things. Do all of it. If you haven't already, Do please give us a five-star review wherever you listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Give us a like and a follow on Facebook and Instagram at 2Metal for this. And share the podcast with anyone you think may enjoy it. Yeah, if you don't like it, share it with people you don't like. That's a fucking good idea. Sure. Sounds good. Just share it. Yeah, man. Care if you hate it, just fucking listen to it. Like that shit. So this week we want to shout out Big Baby Jesus. Yeah, buddy. Hey, Kevin. Hopefully you all have checked out uh, his podcast debut on our Tales from the Tour episode. We want to shout out Beaumont Sabos, <laughs> Danny Leader, and Jeff Zapita. All right. We appreciate you guys. So this week on the show, we're going to discuss our spotlight album, Life is But a Dream from Avenged Sevenfold. And then discuss our picks for the top six fire songs. But before we get into that, here's Justin with the news. The news. Guns N' Roses have announced the supporting acts for their fall North American tour. They will change throughout the tour. You won't see all of these each night, so be sure to check the schedule before you buy your ticket. So the supporting acts are The Pretenders, Dirty Honey, Allison Chains, and Carrie Underwood. Yeah, you heard that right. Very strange pairing. Carrie Underwood and Guns N' Roses. The tour kicks off August 5th in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada, and ends October 16th in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Chickadoo. What do you guys think about that? Carrie Underwood with Guns N' Roses. Suri, but it won't be Chicken Oot, that one. Uh, what the fuck are they thinking? I don't get it. I don't know. Oh, but Canada. They probably but love I, the shit out of like Carrie Underwood and stuff. But I guess, Fucking, you know. Uh, was it Shania Twain? She was Canadian country, wasn't it? I mean, I guess. I think it's the yeah. first three dates are with uh, Carrie Underwood, which I, are mostly in Canada. I guess Guns N' Roses fans are getting pretty old. A lot of them yeah. probably listen to country now, I guess. I, I guess. I don't know if you saw, but I Prevail went to a Carrie Underwood concert, and then Carrie Underwood went to an I Prevail concert. Oh, hey, that's pretty cool. Now I like this all of a sudden. Yeah. Gasp. People went to other people's concerts. I dig it. Maybe Carrie Underwood will take I Prevail out on tour. Yeah, I read about it in Big Whoop magazine. I mean, most metal bands don't go to fucking country shows, so. Why not? Because country sucks. And everybody's fucking drinking and shit. Not all country sucks, by the way. I, I'm a sucker for late 80s, early 90s country. They were definitely drinking. Yeah. Pretty sure it's still drinking. Black Veil Brides and Billy Vallo will go on a fall co-headline tour with Dark Divine in support. It starts September 10th in Louisville, Kentucky and ends October 20th in Riverside, California. Stock up on your eyeliner, folks. Oh, yeah. Chevelle and Three Days Grace have teamed up for a co-headlining run with Loathe as the opener. It's kind of ironic. The first show is September 8th in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and it wraps up October 14th in Boston, Massachusetts. Loathe is pretty cool, man. I don't know what they're doing on that tour, but 
trying to get some exposure. Deftones Jr., that's what they are. Okay. Hmm. You won't like them, Justin. <laughs> Probably not. Probably good then. So you know another band I don't like? Sleep Token. Hmm. They released their new album, Take Me Back to Eden, uh, a few weeks ago. We did a spotlight review on it. And uh, by the way, I'm officially changing my rating to a two because it got worse the more I heard it. Hmm. Uh, but the hype behind this band is very real. Uh, it's a pretty amazing marketing campaign they have going on. And they're now reporting that their Wembley Arena show sold out in 10 minutes. 10,000 tickets in 10 minutes. Now, I personally don't buy that. Uh, they have 2.6 monthly listeners. And bands with double or even triple that are not selling out places like that that fast. Nobody in this genre are. Uh, if you remember, their entire U.S. tour sold out in a similar fashion a few months ago, and I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't really think much about it. But I, I actually believe these tickets are being bought up by resellers and bots trying to capitalize on the hype. I'm not saying the band isn't popular, but are they really this popular? I just... I, I, mean, I don't want to sound like I'm hating on the band. They're bringing people to the scene, and they are a gateway band, which is an important thing. But something just doesn't smell right about it to me. Nah. Shenanigans. <laughs> Shenanigans. 10,000 tickets in 10 minutes for this band that's really not that big. What is with the marketing campaign behind this band, too? Like, they're everywhere right now. I mean, it's kind of genius. You buy up all the fucking tickets, and then you got this band with the masks and shit, and they're all fucking weird. And like, hey, I got some tickets to that band that's weird that nobody can get tickets mm -hmm. to. And then they go, and then it's that fucking shit show. And then you got to say it was cool because you fucking wasted all your time and money on it. You don't want to seem like you're not hip. Man, well, that's fucking genius, man. They actually yep. are very smart because here we are talking about it. Because remember uh, recently I was like, what's the new shock guy like Marilyn Manson or Eminem? That's not what's happening. This, they sneak and attack you. Vessel. That, I mean, they're very Instead smart with what they're doing. You, they're fucking uh, yeah. they're slithering around underneath, and then all of a sudden, man. Hmm. It's either self-created hype or it's record label bought hype. But either way... Mm -hmm. I think you're right. It goes beyond just the monthly listeners on Spotify because if you look at the amount of followers that they have on all of their social media accounts, there are many, many artists that have way more followers than they do that are not selling out shows like this. You're talking like Taylor Swift numbers. There's yeah. no rock and metal bands that are doing that shit right now. No. Not at a fucking arena, a stadium. I mean, no, it, no way. <laughs> respect to them for the hype though i mean however they're generating it good for them here's, here's the thing how do we prove that's untrue they're like we don't they can be ah oh, they sold out the fucking show we don't fucking know if they did or not no they indeed. could have put the uh like the show's actually gonna feel like part of the arena and technically they sold it out real quick and then you know i mean that's fucking we don't know the actual i mean the tickets sold but are they the actual fans that was kind of my yeah, point. I'm I'm just saying, yeah and uh, it won't matter because when it at the end of the day that arena is gonna be full because now they created that demand yep. for those tickets. Exactly. Right. So even if it wasn't real to begin with, it's real now. Everything they're doing is very calculated and smart. They have a ton of hype. So hmm. not going to hate on them for that, I guess. So again, again, nah, in years, just, we'll have to go back and see if this played out. Just like the uh, the dope experiment, releasing all your shit before your album. We won't know if that was a good strategy until a few years from now. So I guess we're just going to put yeah. in it and fucking wait and see. But we won't hate on them for that. We'll just hate on them for the mediocre album yeah. that they put out. Totally music sucks, but I do like the whole masks and horns and the mystery. I mean, that's fucking. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. Yeah. It was like death metal or black metal behind it or something. You know? Anything. Really. I mean, I don't like ICP, but it had silly fucking makeup on and shit. I'm like, all right, cool. Got anything. That's neat. <laughs> something. It look fucking crazy. I like it. It draws uh, my attention. I'll choose ICP over sleep token totally. 10 times out of 10. <laughs> right. <laughs>
Silosis have a new album coming out titled A Sign of Things to Come. It'll be released on September 8th. But the first single, Poison for the Lost, is now streaming. Recently, guitarist Josh Middleton left Architects to join Silosis. Silosis. It's an interesting move because Architects is pretty fucking big. Yeah. So he must he, think that this band is uh, going to take off now after all these years or something. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. It's a gamble. Wait and see. Fear Factory are planning to release a new single later this year with a new album due out sometime in 2024. Uh, they're also re-releasing 2010's Mechanize and 2012's The Industrialist, now titled Reindustrialized, on June 23rd. Uh, they both have a couple of re-recorded and remixed tracks on each album. Suffocation have canceled their upcoming European tour due to several members suffering from what they say is extreme physical strain due to their European tour that ended last month. Quite a few bands are pulling out of European tours, I'm noticing, though. Don't worry, though. Europe hate breed loves you. They're yeah, coming. Hate breed does have a European tour coming up. Obituary bassist Terry Butler recently had a one-of-a-kind SP Customs bass come up missing in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, the bass is red. You can find pictures on their social media accounts. If you happen to have information on where it may be, you can contact the band through their social media. They said they'll take it back with no questions asked. They just want it back. Yeah, return Don't the bass, man. Don't steal a guy's weapon. That's Don't steal up. people's shit. What a scumbag. Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails will score the upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie titled Mutant Mayhem. <laughs> cool. The turtles actually kind of look like the old school turtles, too. Not none of this new shit. So <laughs> cool. Yeah. Finally, Trent Reznor is doing what he's meant to do. Fucking score movies. Yeah. I'll agree with that. Mm, all right. I'm with you. Foo Fighters new album, but here we are, is out now. Ten tracks around 48 minutes. Dave Grohl is on drums for the recorded session, but Josh Fries, formerly of The Offspring and several other projects, will be the touring drummer. Do either of you guys give uh, the album a spin? I did. Not yet, no. Uh, it's definitely... It was a therapy session for Dave Grohl in particular and probably the rest of the band. It comes across in the in the album... It's really good. It's actually one of the better Foo Fighters albums that I've heard in recent years. But it's definitely Taylor Hawkins can be felt all over that album. You know, it was I think the whole reason they made it was to move forward and get through their shit. So it's an interesting album because it's really good. But I don't know how often I'm going to want to listen to it because it it's an, it's an emotional, emotional ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard it yet, but I do want to uh, definitely check it out. Music is therapy to a lot of people, so. All right, I'm Bobby motherfucking McDermott with some new music out here I'm going to share with you. going to rate this stuff on a uh, one to six upside down pentagrams. The intention is not to crush anybody's feelings, but I ain't here to suck anybody's dick. If I don't like it, I'll tell you. If I do like it, I'll fucking tell you. World I Hate. Years of Lead, 11 songs, 19 minutes, hardcore from Wisconsin. It's some pretty mean, brutal-sounding stuff. Really like the vocals. It's the uh, typical hardcore yelling, but this guy puts goofy inflections on the end, and uh, it makes him stand out, so I like that. 
R-E-M-B-E, Blood, and the next three songs seem like one giant hardcore song, but in a good way. Uh, the song Liberal Snuff Film has a shredding solo out of nowhere. You don't hear that too often in the hardcores. Uh, takes a few songs until this album gets kind of good, but once it does, it just keeps coming at you. There's barely any time in between each song. There's no fucking room to catch your breath. Just super tight, angry stuff from World I Hate and their first full-length album, Years of Lead. Solid four upside-down pentagrams. Nice. Slug. Oracalcum. Four songs, 44 minutes. Stoner Doom from Italy. Cool epic riffing here. Lots of warm fuzz, punchy bass, solid drummings. Dual vocals, one clean and one dirty that leans into a little bit of the uh, death style. I think this is more along the stoner rock vibe, uh, low rider and dozer type stuff, uh, just really long. Production's a bit weak, should have been bigger and louder, but uh, they're probably cool live. I like to check them out. So uh, give Slug's new one a listen, or a calculum. That's three and a half upside down pentagrams. Do you like death metal? Maybe. Well, that's cool. But if he said no, I want you to understand that death metal doesn't fucking like you either. <laughs> Anyways, Vomitory has a new one. All heads are going to roll. Ten songs, 41 minutes, Swedish death metal. These guys sound great nowadays. Super tight brutality, crushing riffs that lead to some pretty awesome thrashy grooves with six solos. The drummer is crazy good, and the singer sounds like old Corpse Grinder and LG Petrov mixed, uh, plus a lot of throat clears. While he does sound pretty cool, what he does is not always great, but what can he do? So if you like Cannibal Corpse and In Tune with a little bit of immolation in there, definitely check out Vomitory's new album, All Heads Are Gonna Roll, Five and a Half Upside Down Pentagrams. That's all I got this week. Stay curious, motherfuckers. Sevenfold Life is But a Dream. 11 oh, yes songs, is. 53 minutes. An Orthodox Metal from California. Eighth full length album. All the same dudes from the last album, The Stage. Uh, Brooks Wackerman behind the drum kit again. He's good. He did a 14 year stint with Bad Religion, so that's cool. Seven years since their last album. A huge chunk of that, I'm sure, had to do with the goddamn lockdown. Not going to lie, I was uh, a little more excited about this one. Normally, uh, I don't like this band, but because of the long gap and they stuck with the same crew, and I have this weird curiosity with bands that haven't kicked out a new album since the uh, lockdown. Um, some of the bands have kicked out cool stuff. Most have not. So let's get into this thing and find out what each of us has heard. The opener, Game Over. Absolutely beautiful fucking start. The acoustic intro was mm -hmm. super nice. Then it gets kind of a system of a downing with the uh, vocal delivery, at least. Groove has a bit of a punk grind to it, but mostly this song is all over the place. It kind of feels like three unfinished songs linked together by the lyrics. And the solos were kind of buried in the mix a little bit. And that was kind of surprising. What do you guys think of the opening track? Yeah, I thought the same thing. Love the acoustic opening. Instantly reminded me of System of a Down when he cuts in. Like right. you can't you can't deny that's influenced by that, which 
you know, Avenged tends to loan things from bands, we'll say. <laughs> There's like that frantic, weird vocal cadence that does definitely remind you of Surge. Uh, Gates does begin shredding here, uh, which continues throughout the entire album. As you said, it's a little bit buried. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but I mean, it comes and goes. Like sometimes, dude, we'll talk about later on, where mm-hmm. he's like doing some really cool riffs and it's buried way down into the mix, but you can hear it if you're really listening. Uh, track chills way back down near the end, which leads into the next one. How'd you like that opener, Jason? I thought it was a great way to open the album. Probably the thrashiest song that yeah. System has ever made. It's pretty quick. It's like three minutes, I think. Um, I mean, I know that's only a part of the song as a whole, but I haven't heard them go that fast probably ever on a song as far as the riffing. (laughs) Uh, The soloing, yeah, it's it's definite face melt material. I I, I dug it. I liked it. It's a little weird at the end, but I like it. It, it, Parts of it sound like a Broadway musical. You know, mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. kind of sets up what's about to happen for the rest of this album. Yeah, mm-hmm. They did open their set at uh, Welcome to Rockville with this, so they are definitely playing this one live. All right, that's cool. Now, the second song, uh, Mattel. This dude does some really cool shit with the vocal effects. Uh, like, right off uh, when the bass drops, his vocals has a little bit of vibrato on there. It kind of matches what's going on. Thought that was neat. And then he has this, like, uh, announcer speaker echo effect on there, which yeah. was fucking weird as shit. But then this cool stuff happens with the panning. It's almost like it fucking melts from all up front in the mix to the front right left, back right left. But it wasn't an uh, even transition. It's like a little bit here and there and then puddles back into all up front. It was a really fucking cool trick uh, on an already pretty interesting song. I like this one. Had the cool 80s synths with the uh, crazy chorus effect on there. Just uh, real gnarly, real fucking interesting. I had no idea that they were going to do anything like this. What do you guys think of it? Mattel's probably Mattel, yeah. my uh, favorite track on the album. This is the best one. He's that on. opening riff pulled me right in. Kind of drops out and uh, I don't even know what the hell you'd call it next. It's very weird. We'll talk about that a lot throughout this album. It's just very odd album. Uh, but there's a cool drum beat, even a piano that gets put in here. And then Shadows does this like groan growl thing into the mic that Kind of sounds like like you mentioned uh, the Wage War song where there's like the gator sound. Mm. It almost it's just weird, like cutting in and out vocal he does. I don't even know what effect they put over, but it was really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I really like this track uh, a lot. It really kicks in about two fifty five in three minutes in with the scream, and then there's like these Pink Floyd sonic noises that'll come between your ears, where you can mm-hmm. tell they're going down this progressive route a lot more. But then it's still heavy because they got the double bass in there. There's a lot of cool shit here. It's definitely my favorite track on the album. Yeah, it's not only my favorite track on the album. It's one of my favorite songs that the band has ever done. I didn't nice. expect to find that on this album. Yeah, My expectations were kind of low going into this. Same. Uh, it starts out heavy as shit. Kind of has like a Nightmare Era vibe to it. I uh, really love the chorus. Makes me want to smell some plastic daisies. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this is a good example of blending genres, unlike uh, another album we listened to recently. Yeah. The heavy parts of this album are actually some of the heaviest stuff that I've heard from the band. When this song but really... then they, they go the opposite extreme, where it's like back to the like Broadway-type sound on the chorus. Like, it's really cool. Yeah, as you guys will hear in the intro to uh, this segment, how it goes from so light to just crazy heavy for a moment there. And it's it's interesting. I dig it. 
Uh, the next song, Nobody. Uh, they have definitely found the drugs, people. Uh, I like the strange siren-like noise they got going on there and the horns in the background. Uh, what did you guys think of that one? This was the uh, first single they put out, and that's funny you mentioned the drugs. So mm -hmm. they openly admit they were doing some heavy, hard shit during mm -hmm. the recording of this album, and most of it was recorded during uh, 2020 from what I read, uh, and they cleaned it up over the past few years. But the album, to me, it's a, it clearly is a concept album, and it, sound, it feels like a trip that they're going on. Absolutely. You know, you start, you start it out, and it gets kind of frantic, and it's eventually going to you know, crescendo, and then you got to come down later on. But nobody was the first, uh, the first track we all heard a, a few months back. And I instantly liked the music, especially the purge alarm noise that opens the track. Uh, but then his vocals, I just didn't get them uh, until you hear them in the context of the album. It makes sense now. Uh, there's so many layers to this track. Uh, just sit back and kind of really pay attention. Uh, the riff that Gates does behind the first verse and then his solo later on is just killer. Uh, it's one of many, many times that Gates stands out on this album. Absolutely. I, I think you pretty much read my mind. I didn't like this song at all, the the first yeah. few listens when I listened to it as a standalone. But it's almost like the first two tracks almost prime you mm -hmm. for what's coming. So then the vocals aren't as off-putting as they were when I heard this as a standalone single. Yeah. Um, also... Yeah, some of the best guitar work that I've I've heard from from Sinister Gates for sure. Gates is on record to say that this album is definitely showcasing his guitar work, and I can hear it throughout. Oh, it's a guitar album for sure. He's uh, always been one of my favorites. So yeah, it's super talented. Yeah. Next song, "We Love You." Uh, this shit is definitely for psychedelic hallucinogenic <laughs> adventures. Like like you said, the the first few tracks kind of prepare you. This this is where is we start to go specifically off the deep end. a psychedelic hallucinogenic fucking adventure. <laughs> Primary Christmas. What'd you guys think of We Love You? I, I wasn't a fan of the opening vocal, but once it gets into the verses, I, I really dug what was going on. There's a simple cool riff, bouncing drums. It really started ripping through about two and a half minutes in, gets kind of thrashy for a moment and then goes back. I it was the second single and I didn't like it when I first heard it, but again, you play it with the album. And I really dug it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a solid track. I, I liked it from the first listen, I, especially in comparison to the first single. But yeah, in the context of the album, it wasn't really one of my favorites, but it's a solid uh, song. Yeah. Out of context, I don't think any of these songs make fucking sense. It's singles. Uh, that's fucking. They definitely yeah, you, don't. Yeah. You got to listen to it as a whole album. <laughs> right. Uh, next song, Cosmic, I mm -hmm. felt was the worst one. <laughs> I do like the horns doing swells and the piano plinking along as that ominous searing lead is slithering around in the back. And then it kind of gets into uh, the most elated vibe of the entire album. Very blissful dream vibe like and then uh, ends it with some somber strings. So uh, that's definitely the fluctuation of your levels right there, folks, is they're, they're representing that shit pretty good. This is the peak when you're at the, you mm -hmm. know. You're really zoned out. It's the longest track on the album, seven and a half minutes. It's kind of the ballad. It's definitely a ride. It's yeah, it gets pretty weird. It the guitars hold my interest for most of the song, at least for the early parts. But it is a little too long, and it gets a little repetitive at the end. Uh, Bobby might kill me for saying this, but I heard a little bit of suicidal influence with the guitar melodies and the stuff that they were playing. Mm -hmm. Why would I kill um, you for that? 
I just, you know, I'm comparing one of your favorite bands to Avenged Sevenfold. So, you know, I don't want to. Well, I mean, I guitar wanna... work. Yeah, Rocky George does beautiful shit, and so does Sinister Gates. And that's that's I what see, I, I California. That's dudes, what I that's, hear. That's the vibe. And, I get you. And I specifically heard, you know, nah. Nah. yeah, we talked about how will I laugh tomorrow. Like that's I heard that in this song, like yeah. for sure. Nothing wrong with um, that. And yeah, the piano is a nice touch, man. I we haven't heard a lot of piano in Avenged uh, songs since their early stuff, like it's really cool to hear it be yeah. a really prevalent part of this album. Wasn't Rev one of the main piano guys on the early shit? Yeah, I, think, man, I, think, I, I don't know. I think he got the, I'm not sure offhand, but that, I'm, you know, I'm not also sure, but I want to say he was the dude doing the piano. And, you that know, would make sense. Yeah. They bring in a lot of classical instruments, which we will hear in the next few tracks. Mm-hmm. Up next, we got beautiful morning. Uh, I'm a fan of Wackerman on the drums. He does some interesting stuff. And this song showcases his skill with space. Uh, with more chill riffing, he's able to use different areas of the groove and add flourishes here and there. Made an overall boring song worth listening. So good job there. What do you guys think of Beautiful Morning? Uh, you nailed it. Right. Yeah. Drones it, on quite a bit. It's not not one of the more interesting songs. I feel like they kind of like, it kinda, here's a song for you, drummer. You can do some cool stuff. And I mean, I feel like it's it totally that. Kind of chugs along. There's some mellow, like almost elevator type stuff in mm-hmm. before it. Kind of cuts back in, and then there's a piano for the last 45 seconds, which leads into the second half of the album. Now, easier, Jason. What do you think of that one? Because to me, it had some heavy Stone Temple Pilot vibes. I can hear that for sure. Yeah, yeah this one was the, the way it first started out. I didn't think I was gonna like it, and then I got about 30 seconds in, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool." STPs type shit, right? Yeah, and I like it. I think it's perfectly placed in the album. It kind of it's kind of the counterbalance between the beginning and the end of the album. And it starts to prepare you for that down swing in the tempo yeah. that you're about to get. This is the beginning the of the come down. songs. Yeah, right absolutely. Here. Because this one is kind of like a blend of both. And it's, yep. yeah, this is when cool. you're sitting there looking around and you're going cool song, like quick, short three minutes, something song. I, I like yep. it. Yeah. Next it's, song. G G uh, beginning G. of a three part, right? Just God. Kind of got uh, like a little bit of Zappa, ZZ Top kind of vibe on the vocals and stuff to do in there. Real big rock and roll swagger on there, I would say. Did you catch uh, Rush's YYZ when you first kicked that track on? That's what it reminded me of. I can hear that. It's very yeah. much right. that vibe. I can hear that. It sounds nothing like Avenged Sevenfold. There's a weird woman's voice at one point, too. Yeah, I tried to see who that was, and I couldn't I no find out who it was that was singing. Absolutely no idea. Might be one of them doing the goofy voice or something and they didn't put no credit on there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it could be. I couldn't mm-hmm. find any credits. So, uh, Ordinary. Uh, this song sounds like they took a pop song and turned it inside out, but it still sucked. It's like auto-tune here or something? Not really uh, sure what's going was, on. I, I kind of zoned out. Uh, the engine noise at the end reminded me of Welcome to the Machine by Pink Floyd, though. So I think mm-hmm. part of this is just kind of going back to those early progressive bands. Mm. I like this one. Um, this one... I didn't dislike it. It was just, the first time I've ever heard them incorporate a little bit of funk. There was a little bit of funk with the guitar. My complaint on this song is I think this is where Johnny Christ could have actually stood out and did some cool stuff on the bass, but he just kind of held it down like normal. It, it was very <laughs> funky on the guitar. Like some funk yeah. stuff. Like he could have did some really cool stuff there. Yeah, throughout the album, he's doing... He's an interesting bass player. He does like some jazz fusion stuff and then he'll slip right into just some basic hard rock. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, 
you know, doing yeah. calculus and then one plus one. You're like, what the f- what? What? Yeah. Like he's interested, but it is odd that he didn't choose that song. To, this was the moment because you didn't have like the heavy guitars. You know, it was funky type stuff. Like he could have done some really. I, cool I can stuff imagine there. like. Uh, uh, just like a house band playing this, this like the the riff there, mm. you know, at at a beach, and you're just drinking and chilling. It doesn't mm. sound like Avenged Sevenfold, but it's yeah. a cool, it's a cool yeah. vibe, man. All right, then we get to death. This is a different take on the vibe you normally get with a song about death. Uh, <laughs> it's like you just arrived at the nicest mall in the '80s, Disney fairy tale. You know what what I mean? is this? I don't know. The best air conditioning. Airy vibes, just we're like, in the come down phase for yeah, sure. Right, here, you know? we're at the very end of it. It's one of the gloomiest things I've ever heard. When I listen to it, I feel like I'm watching an old black and white musical, mm-hmm. and I can picture M. Shadows looking out his window during a light rain <laughs> as he's right. pondering his life, whether it really meant anything. Not what I expected, but I, I enjoyed. This yeah, song. I, I, I do too. It, it's grown up. I, I think it was a cool way to 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 basically close out the album. I know we got one more track yet, but that we do. Uh, Life is but a dream. The title track, mellow on the way out. Peace, yep. peaceful outro. It's all piano, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Let your mind kind of rest and process what you just heard. Coming back to reality, you're out of the high. You know, you just learned some secrets of the universe, and now you got to fucking live with that shit. You know what I mean? Your brain's gotta gotta relax. Yeah, so I kind of, I gave this album three listens, and to me, it was my takeaway from it was he's sort of telling a story of the life cycle of a human. Starts out with a bang, you got the more intense songs with the more thrashy, upbeat stuff. Mm -hmm. You find love on Mattel. You experience all the highs and lows in the middle. Start to wind down as you get older, reflect on your life. And then the song Death is like you making peace with your time on Earth. Mm. And then you have that instrumental closing track, which I think like kind of illustrates the peace that you would feel after death. So even though that wasn't my favorite track, I do feel like it was a necessary part of the story and the adventure that yeah. they took us on. So I appreciate it for what it was. So uh, We've touched on it for sure, and M. Shadows has said as much in interviews. This is not an album that you could really take the songs and listen to them individually. Mm-hmm. But I did really enjoy the story that they took me on overall. There's definitely some parts that drag on a bit too much for me. But uh, I enjoyed the album a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, I kind of went into this honestly thinking that this was going to be a terrible experience. Uh, and it wasn't. This was a hard one to rate. When I went back and I listened, they didn't really put any elements into these songs that aren't a part of previous Avenged Sevenfold discography. If you go back, all of the things that they've done on this album have been elements in previous Avenged Sevenfold songs. So for anybody that's listening to it and they're kind of pissy and saying that the band went you know, too far in another direction or whatever... No, th- this is all stuff that's been there. This is all stuff that they've done, mm-hmm. uh, but it's definitely an adventure. <laughs> I'm going to give this one a four out of six, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to reserve the right to come back and maybe re-rate it later in the year. Yeah. Right. As you said, Shadows said, this album is not meant to be listened to as singles. You have to listen to it all together. It's an experience. It's in the kind of the same line as their last album, The Stage. Uh, these guys have gone even farther, though, 
with the progressive uh, metal nature of it. And you just don't know where each turn is going to take you. The album feels like their sonic representation of a trip. Jason mentioned maybe the course of a life, too. I can see that as well. Uh, the mood constantly changes throughout the songs. And while it seems to kind of trail off for the final four tracks, that's kind of the come down. I think it's really well done. But you cannot go into this album expecting to hear City of Evil or Hail to the King. It's not that kind of casual listen. You have to sit down and really pay attention to what's going on here. It's a different Avenged Sevenfold. Which, if you're a fan of the band, you should be used to. Every single album is different. So this is just a continuation of that. Musically, there's a lot going on here. Layers upon layers. In each listen, I noticed more subtle things. I've probably given this a dozen listens by now. No joke. I am really liking this album a lot. In my opinion, it's a great album. But it's definitely not for everyone. I didn't have a rating until this very second. And I'm going to put a five out of six on it. Mm-hmm. Right. This is one of my favorite right. albums of the year so far. How's hey, that for unexpected? Me. Yeah, right. I was going into this with very low expectations, just like Jason. And I'm pleasantly surprised. Well, that's cool. Fucking that's something. You know what I mean? Yep. Are we counting you down, Bobby? Uh, No. Okay, cool. This was a strange listen. Each song is its own epic little adventure, but they don't necessarily flow together. The general piece of the album is a lethargic stumble and it gets too fucking long. Now, if you are planning a trip to the spirit world, you should totally have this with you. Get your levels right. So much ear candy and brilliant musicians doing some weird shit because they can. Whether you like this new shit or not, I can tell you this. These fucking dudes like it and they're having fun and you can fucking hear it. I was never a fan and I'm still not. But there's (laughs) so many things happening on this album that if you kicked it on, I'd enjoy picking up on the other stuff I missed. So... Avenged Sevenfold's new album, Life is But a Dream, is a three upside-down pentagrams for me. That's for now. I'm sure after a few more lessons, the uh, novelty will wear off and I won't like it. But (laughs) there's a lot of cool fucking shit going on in this thing. Uh, At least listen to it once, folks. If you got some good headphones, too, highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. So they pronged it. They pronged it for now, but it's (laughs) going to go down. It'll wear off them. But they they, they got some neat tricks in there I want to check out. Fair enough. A three out of Bobby, I'll take it. Mm Mm-hmm. It's time for the top six, six, six. All right, everyone. It's been a little while since we came at you with a top six. Top mm-hmm. six. So we're back with the top six fire songs. Fire! My number six pick comes to you from a band called Mental Cruelty with their song King of Fire. This is from their 2021 album, A Hill to Die Upon. If you're not familiar with this band, they are a black and deathcore band from Germany. And I specifically wanted to talk about them because I actually think they're poised to make a really big impact on the scene when their new album drops this year. If you haven't heard these guys, I highly recommend checking them out, especially if you're digging Lorna Shore. Mm. You're probably going to like this. I'll warn you, though, it's more on the angry side than <laughs> Lorna Shore is. Uh, these guys don't yeah. fuck around. I chose this specific song, obviously, because of the lyrics. You want some angry shit about fire and flames? Here it is. The lyrics include, burn in hell. You see the gates, I call his name. You see the flames. The closing line in the song is, you see the darkness, the truth, the only one that's real, Adramalek, commander of hell, king of fire. Song seems to be about divine justice and, 
and satisfaction that someone who wronged you is going to be punished by burning in hell. And even though I don't do the religious stuff, there's a few people that come to mind when I listen to this song. Mm. It's a podcast for another day, though. All right. So anyways, check out my number six pick, Mental Cruelty, with their song King of Fire. And be sure to check out their new album when it drops on June 23rd. I won't tell you the album title because it's in German and I have no fucking idea how to say it. But check it out, June 23rd. There's a guttural in that song at like the one minute mark that was really fucking cool. I also like the solo with the blast beats behind it. Good shit. The drums sound fucking great. Probably no need for a bassist because he's dominating the bottom end with his fucking kicks, man. Hell yeah. My number six comes from Mushroom Head. It's called Burn the Bridge. They're new metal-ish from Ohio. This is off their 2010 album, Beautiful Stories for Ugly Children. We can all kind of relate to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts off uh, kind of uh, goofy with a sample of a kid saying, What up, hard dog? Bomb chicka wow wow. I just like that part. It sounded funny. <laughs> then there's just kind of this creepy laugh uh, that comes in throughout the track. There's chuggy riffing, new metal influenced with horror. Where it really stands out to me is uh, near the end where it gets into the breakdown where it's really all it's doing is speeding up the riff. You've heard the whole song. There's nothing really wild here. It's just a good mushroom head groove. I really enjoyed Burn the Bridge. It's got a sick fucking riff in it for sure. But uh, it sounds a little hollow compared to the big sonic wall that's Slipknot, which uh, that, yeah. uh, that's kind of who they always get compared to. Uh, not a big fan of the vocal sound, but I like what they do vocally. Just don't like the particular sound. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You like the cadence, not necessarily the tone. Mm-hmm. But they also have the dual, yeah. the, the back and forth. That's yeah. always cool. They, yeah, I, I can't remember what lineup this is, but I don't, I, I'm pretty sure at this point it's not the original lineup anymore for the vocalists. Yeah, I like the heavier parts that they do better. Like when it slows down, it gets a little weird. That, end, me, that right? ending, it's just, it really chugs. What you got for number six, Bobby? Number six, Cathedral with Voodoo Fire off of 1998's Caravan Beyond Redemption. It's uh, six minutes, 12 seconds of stoner metal from England. Uh, this is one of my favorite beginnings ever. <laughs> some cool yeah. ass circus music, which, which then goes into some dude battling in Francais and then a tripped out fade into some super rocking, big old chunky riffs, mm-hmm. solid grooves, scorching solos, and all the rock and roll swagger you could ever fucking want. It's got a cool dropout in there and some awesome tribally drums. This shit's fucking super partying. Uh, Lee Dorian used to be the singer for Napalm Death. And then he went and started this band Cathedral, which when they started was like, it was doom, but the more gloomy, sad stuff. And then out of nowhere, they kicked out this album and he's fucking partying his ass off. And I fucking love this shit. What do you guys think of Cathedral? Oh, I absolutely love the intro with the circus music. And this song... I mean, this song makes you want to start a fire. Mm. It, even if you didn't take the lyrics or anything into account, it's just got that vibe, man. It makes you want to burn something. Mm. I like fire dancing around, drinking some beers kind of I vibe. Like, it's yeah. like a cool, chill drinking song. The circus music at the start was just fucking great. And as you mentioned, three minutes in, it kind of drops out into them tribal drums. That was real cool shit that I didn't expect to hear. It came out of nowhere. Hell Good yeah. song. Getting into number five. My number five comes to you from a band called Finch with their song, What It Is to Burn. This is the title track to their 2002 album of the same name and also the closing track on that album. I've been waiting for a reason to talk about this band on the show. Mm -hmm. 
mostly so I could shout out one of our biggest supporters, Travis Baker. <laughs> hey, Travis. He's cool. He's the only person I know with a Finch tattoo. Oh, cool. Here Post we go, a picture Travis. of that tattoo, Travis. <laughs> only took us 41 episodes, but Finch finally gets a mention, buddy. So Finch is a post-hardcore band from Temecula, California. Their output as a band has not been plentiful, but it has been powerful. They got quite a following of hardcore fans and recently sold out several venues for their reunion shows. This album is the first of only three albums, and this song is one of my favorite songs on the album. According to Spotify, a lot of people agree with me as this one has over 25 million streams. Yeah. Unless that was just Travis streaming it 25 million <laughs> times. Either way, this is a great song. Definitely fits the list. Starts out with the line, Today's on fire. The sky's bleeding above me and I am blistered. Really like that line a lot. Uh, the sky is bleeding above me. It just paints such a picture. Mm. Uh, the chorus is like a bad star. I'm falling faster down to her. She's the only one that knows what it is to burn. And then at the peak of the song, the singer Nate Barkalo screams, she burns. And it's an absolutely devastating scream. If you've never heard Finch, this is a great one to start out with. Equal parts emotional and heavy. My number five pick is Finch with their song, What It Is to Burn. So like, I didn't know this song by name, but I kind of recognized it when I played it. Was this in like a movie soundtrack or something? Because it seems like it was. It was like very 2002 popular alternative style. It definitely could have been. I don't know specifically of a soundtrack, but it would have fit in with that. It was a really popular song. 25 million streams. I mean, that's no joke. Yeah. So I don't know. Could have been. <laughs> My number five comes from Diecast. The track is Fire Damage. They're a uh, metalcore from Boston. It's off their 2004 album, Tearing Down Your Blue Skies. I think there's a nice uh, acoustic opening to this before it explodes open. Jason Costa's drums stand out on this one. If you don't know him, he joined All That Remains a few years after this album came out in 2006. I think the song has a good bounce to it. Cleans come in near the end. Diecast is a band that many forget about or never knew about to begin with, but they had a couple of good metalcore albums in this era. Uh, they come, like I said, they come from uh, the uh, Boston area. So, like uh, a lot of bands were were metalcore from that that area of the mm -hmm. country, the Northeast. So, yeah. diecast. What you guys think of that? Yeah, song? I like diecast, man. The dude's fucking going off on the drones for sure. Good beatdown riffs. Vocals are mostly cool. I don't really like the cleans, which is you know that's mm -hmm. me. But I do like the dirty cleans, man. And the <laughs> diecast is cool. Man, I forgot all about this band. I actually mm -hmm. used to listen to them quite a bit back in the day. So this was a nice trip. Uh, yeah. To go back and listen to that band. The album right after uh, Internal Revolution. I think they, it's Internal Revolution. They probably don't get enough credit because they were kind of a little bit ahead of the curve on, mm -hmm. on a lot of this stuff. So Yeah. Because, hell, I was still listening to new metal stuff when I was listening to Diecast originally. So hmm. Yeah. They kind they did kind of... You know, I'm glad you mentioned that. Kind of blend new metal into metalcore a little bit. Yeah. Good shit. Hell yeah. Number five, Bobby. All right. We got Nebula with Let It Burn. 1998 debut EP of the same name. Just under five minutes, three-piece psychedelic stoner rock from California. This was my introduction to the band. Uh, old Eddie Glass was formerly a Fu Manchu, and he went in a more tripped-out 70s rock direction with this band. Lots of ear candy, little guitar licks fading in and out, cool effects on top of some sweet-ass fucking riffs. Some of the better drumming in stoner rock. 
Uh, I think this is the best band in the genre, to be honest with you. Uh, this is not their best album, but it's still a fucking stellar goddamn song. Nebula, Let It Burn. What do you guys think of some stoner rock? Cool stuff, man. Uh, definitely uh, heard the party vibe. And then you mentioned the Fu Manchu. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. makes a hell of a lot of sense because I was listening to this. I was like, man, it's good. Yeah, I looked him up after and seen the Fu Manchu thing. I was like, that's cool. Yeah, man. Nebula, good stuff. Killer live, too, man. They know what they're doing. Yeah, about three minutes in, it sounds like uh, someone takes a big puff and exhales. <laughs> has some cool riffs come in. Yeah, that band has a good chill vibe to it. Yeah, I, they're, I, they're I don't good. Know. All right, getting into number four. My number four comes from Orange Nine Millimeter with their song Fire in the Hole. It's from their 1996 album Tragic. Orange Nine Millimeter is a post hardcore slash rap metal band from New York. I was really into these dudes back in high school. They weren't quite new metal, but they fit in nicely between Corn and Vision of Disorder for me. Um, one of my favorite parts about this song is the bass. It's got such a nice tone to it, stands out throughout the song, and I really like how they bring in the bass solo before the verse, and then it continues to carry you through the chorus with the subtle guitar effects throughout the verse. I've always appreciated that sound. It's probably a product of growing up new metal, uh, mm-hmm. but I really like that uh, if you're not familiar with Orange 9mm, you may recognize their lead guitarist, Chris Trainer. In addition to the four albums he did with Orange, he also played on three Helmet albums, and he's the current guitar player for Bush. Uh, he also recently produced the new Grey Days album. Hmm. Grey uh, Days is a Chester Bennington band before Linkin Park. Yep. <laughs> so as far as fitting on the list, the song's called Fire in the Hole. Mm-hmm. Of course it fits on the list. But some of the lyrics are, there's fire in the hole. I've got to let you know. I've got to. And I want to blow you down. Nowhere to hide. To me, it appears to be a song dealing with betrayal of some sort. Just blowing it all away and moving on. But musically, it's a really fun song. I'd highly recommend listening to the entire album if you never have. A number four pick is Orange 9mm with Fire in the Hole. And I never had, but I, I credit it more. I heard the new metal, but I, I thought it was like a grunge new metal mix. And I mm-hmm. definitely want to check out more of the album. Oh, I can hear that. Um, but also, yeah, like you can hear things like you can hear the helmet influences. Yeah, I get and that. You can too. hear yeah, like sure. the, yeah, the quicksand, like it's kind mm-hmm. of fits right in that vibe. So, yeah, sort of a bridge between those two things. Yeah. When I looked it up after listening to it, I was like 1996. God, that was a long time ago. Uh, how did I never hear about this band? But I'm, I'm definitely going to check them out. Orange, yeah. n- Orange 9 millimeter. I used to listen to them a lot. Wasn't a big fan. They got some stuff here and there, but I always thought Orange 9 millimeter was a cool fucking name. Like it stands out. Orange and then 9 millimeter. Like you don't see that too. It just fucking sticks out. That's a yeah, bright, that's name. a bright gun. I just, but it just, it, it's, <laughs> it's catchy. It's simple. It's, Kind of provide you're like what the fuck orange nine that little toy gun you had the orange nine mil so uh, squirt gun but uh for some reason every time I hear orange nine millimeter I always think of propane I like propane they were cool and I'd rather just go listen to propane so that's what I do every time somebody brings up iron <laughs> orange nine millimeter so that's cool. what I did I went and listened to some propane after this so that was cool my number four comes from I prevail the track is gasoline uh, it's new metal from Michigan. Our friend Kevin would say this kind of sounds like Linkin Park. <laughs> I don't quite get it, but yeah, hey, they're influenced by him. It's off their 2019 album Trauma. Uh, this one has become a staple of their live shows. It gets the crowd going. It's high energy. It's aggressive. 
It's a rare I prevail track with no cleans. Burn it all down. I don't give a fuck. Burn it all down. Burn it all to the ground. That's the lyric. Oh, that's good lyrics. Uh, obviously not a fan, but they had some really good sub drops. Doesn't muddy up the rest of the song, which a lot of these bands now, when they you know, get to the part, they'll drop a fucking sub. And for about a half a second, you can't hear anything else because it muddies us up. But these guys did good, man. Whoever did the production, fucking mm-hmm. thumbs up, buddy. I was totally going to pick this song, but I knew you'd pick it, so I didn't didn't put it on the list. Hey, you made your picks first. But uh, that's why I left it for you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. But how do you not hear the Linkin Park influence? Come on. I guess. That I whole mean, rappy I, part, that's Linkin Park all day. I prevails day. very, I, I prevails very uh, Linkin Park influenced. I get it. Yeah. Heavier, though. Heavier. Definitely a heavier Linkin Park, for sure. No. Give them their flowers because they are doing good things right now. All right. Bobby, number three or number four. Sorry. Number four, Bloodbath, Zombie Inferno off a 2022 survival of the sickest. Just over four minutes of death metal of the Swedish flavor with hints of Florida style brutality from a super group. Members of Opeth, Edge of Sanity and Catatonia. And I think one dude from many, many more is in there. Uh, This has great death grind to it. A little stompy thrash, a rip roaring solo, cool, dirty vocals, just fucking awesome death metal what do you guys think of bloodbath fucking loved it mm. i always love when you go with just a good death metal pick because mm-hmm. i'm like all right we don't find a lot of common ground but good old death metal you can't go wrong it's, it's fucking bloodbath you can't go wrong yeah, this is this is straight up death metal that's, it's, it's that's weird it. the guys like the other bands aren't awesome and right. they all come together to make this one it's fucking hey, like you get with the right people and the flow just happens like mm. this trio right here another fucking right all right, getting into my number three pick comes to you from Will Haven with their song Extinguish. Songs from their 1997 album, El Diablo. I wanted to include this song for a few reasons. First being that we've never talked about Will Haven. And if you True. haven't checked them out, I w- want you to check them out. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's hard to put them into a category. Got a little bit of a little bit of metalcore blended mm-hmm. with a little noise rock a mm-hmm. little bit of alternative they're mm-hmm. kind of their own thing uh a lot of times i tell people they're kind of like deftones without the clean vocals and the melodic parts really in your face aggressive stuff and secondly i chose this song because it demonstrates the many ways that the subject of fire can be used in songs in this song, it's used more metaphorically to describe a relationship that's fallen apart and essentially being extinguished. The main riff in this song is really cool, mm-hmm. and the band have this nice groove that they capture throughout the song. Uh, the bass tone here has got a nice kind of industrial sounded crunch to it, mm-hmm. and the lyrics start out with, I'm going to burn this house down that we built together. I will ignite each room one by one. My heart will not feed my flames that I've ignited to a race. Cool song. Super intense. Didn't want to miss my opportunity to bring up Will Haven. They kind of got their own thing going on. Check it out. Number three is Will Haven with their song Extinguish. Yeah, cool riffs on that song. And I really like the guitar sound. Real filthy, scummy distortion. And uh, like he kind of nailed it, man. It sounds like dirty Deftones. Like, that's a cool vibe, but it is hard to fucking pinpoint them. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Will Haven's kind of cool, man. Yeah. Dirty Deftones. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Dirty Deftones. My number three comes from Chimera. It is The Flame. This is, uh, I guess you call it Groove Metal from Ohio off their 2007 album Resurrection. The track starts off with some glass breaking, a girl screaming, no, no, and the door slamming shut. Uh, it's a sample from the movie Twin Peaks. Uh, the drums come pounding in. There's a cool riff. The breakdown has a good build to it, and this track is fucking sick. But it will also piss you off if you pay attention. Really listen to those lyrics. Uh, it's based off a previously mentioned movie about a possessed father who does pretty unthinkable things to his daughter due to said possession. Uh, lyrics near the end. Oh, God, what have I done? Uh, that's realizing that he just fucked up pretty bad. Uh, the screams fading at the end. It's uh, pretty heavy shit. It's not easy to listen to if you're really listening to those lyrics. Uh, but the music's absolutely killer. And I've always liked this Chimera song. It's got that good Chimera bounce to it. Hmm. Yeah, I can totally listen to this song all the time because I never fucking listened to the lyrics. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool tune. Great drums, cool grooves. And uh, if you don't listen to the lyrics, you can enjoy the fucking shit out of it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the lyrics are the reason that it I didn't pick it for the list because it was hard for me to listen to. Mm -hmm. uh, but such a good song. Like, yeah. If you can take yourself out of the story, I guess. I did. Yeah. Good job. Glad mm -hmm. for you, Bobby. Me too. All right. We got the slow medics up next with Flame On. Of a 2012's album, a hot, I guess I don't know how to fucking say that shit. The Human Torch. Uh, just under four minutes, three-piece stoner doom band from Ireland. They're called the Slowmatics. The shit's fucking slow. It's sludgy, doomy, chunky riffs with a big banging drums on there, buried vocals, and crazy effects everywhere. Good stuff from across the pond. I fucking love these guys, and it was cool that I got to bring them up. Slowmatics flame on. Did you guys enjoy a taste of Irish doom? Sludgy Doom. We just listened to that. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I liked it. Good stuff. That's, a, that's another one. Uh, it was oddly short for Doom. About three minutes of it. That was pretty quick. I'm sure that was about as much as your patience could take. It's an, Yeah, yeah, definitely. Another one where I could see sitting around an actual fire and, and, mm. and, and taking in that song. Or having a safety meeting. It's a very good song <laughs> for a safety meeting. Fire was involved. All right, my number two pick comes to you from Wilson with their song Before I Burn. This is the closing track from their 2005 album Right to Rise. Starts out with an old gospel sounding chant. Lord, they're coming after me. Coming to take my name. So interestingly, Wilson is mostly known to be a more upbeat party vibe. Uh they actually played shows with Steel Panther and stuff. So <laughs> okay. uh, this cool. isn't really their normal vibe, but they definitely went a little darker on this album and especially this song. Uh, this one sounds really angry. The lyrics seem to tell a story of a man that's hurt and possibly killed many people, and now he's facing his inevitable fate. Uh, some of the lyrics are, look at me, mama, look at the rat, sitting here burning as the crowd starts to laugh. And then he screams, fire! Got me on my knees, flames calling out to me. My favorite part of this song is when it slows down right before the three-minute mark. Really helps submerge you into the story and build suspense before it gets to peak intensity. 
It's a really brutal song from a band that's not really known to be a brutal band. And he screams fire at least 20 times in this song. Hence its inclusion on this list. Hmm. My number two pick is Wilson with their song Before I Burn. I think this would be a cool track to hear at a festival. Seems like it'd play really good live. Yeah, that happened one time. You were there. You just don't remember it. I, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, going to say that. I told you know. all you guys to check out Wilson, and everybody's like, who's Wilson? And you all just went over there with me and checked it out, but nobody knew what it was. So, mm-hmm. Hey. I like the uh, bluesy bit they got in the beginning. It's got some cool riffs on there, but it had the, the radio rock production. Kind of sounded like Breaking Benjamin type of a sound. Uh, whoa. Like the production sound that they had. You know, the good quality. Mm, no, I know what yeah. you mean. You know, radio rock style. Slick. But yeah, that's weird that they tore with Steel Panther and shit. This is not that vibe at all. No. But the album after this one definitely was. Hmm. All right. Earlier, we talked about Nebula's Let It Burn. Now mm-hmm. we're going to talk about Avatar's Let It Burn. Swedish metal from their 2012 album, Black Waltz. Uh, that opening riff to me has such a cool groove to it, and it continues throughout the track. Uh, there's very uh, Marilyn Manson-inspired verses to this. Uh, might be one of the most simplistic Avatar songs ever. There's nothing crazy here. Pretty straightforward jam. Just a fun track. And if you haven't seen Avatar Live, I highly recommend checking them out. Totally. I got here. If Marilyn Manson did a Southern rock tune. Yeah. I didn't like that one. Oh, boy. Oh, man. That opening riff is one of that's one of the coolest opening parts I've ever heard to a song. It's it'll pull you right in, man. I got a straight metal boner as soon as I heard it. Hard. It was hard. All right. (laughs) All right. Up next. Burner with Siege Fire, A Vision of the End, 2022 EP. Just over one minute of death metal hardcore from England. Non-stop teeth kicking intensity on this one. Just meeting taters, metal, brutal stuff here. These guys are fucking sick. And he got a new one out in a few weeks. I'll be checking that one out and I'll let you know how it was. What did you guys think of Burner and that brutal ass song Siege Fire? Just fucking brutal. That's all I could say. Sure. My my notes just said brutal death metal. <laughs> yeah. Mine was said great. death, hardcore, black metal, an interesting 63 seconds. It's that, uh, what the yeah, fuck? It's a death your, rash. In your fucking that's coming face, out. It's man. that It's yeah. going that route. I can see that. Yeah, yeah I like I that, that. I liked it. Shit, I enjoyed it. 63 well, seconds. That's all you need, man. Siege fire from fire. <laughs> Burner. Yeah. That's a good name. 63 seconds is all you need. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> All right, folks, it's time. Number one. We've reached number one. My number one pick comes to you from Burn the Priest. Oh, yeah. With the song Kerosene. A.K.A. Lamb of God. This is from their 2018 covers album called 20 or XX. XX. Most of you know that Burn the Priest is the original name for Lamb of God. Way better name. And I think they decided to put this album out using the Burn the Priest name just to avoid alienating any of their fans. This is a very different musical direction than what Lamb of God does. So good idea and cool that they had that name to fall back on to throw this album out. Uh, So this song, uh, it's a cover song. It was recorded originally by a punk rock band called Big Black. Uh, however, the first mm-hmm. time I heard this song, it was actually being done by a band called Drown. 
they had a little pop in the new metal days, and that was the first time I heard it. I really dug that version of the song. And when I first heard Burn the Priest version, I actually thought it was a cover of the Drown song. Uh, that sent me down a rabbit hole, and then I ended up hearing the original, and it was just pretty cool. Uh, interesting to see how much more angry that the Burn the Priest uh, version is. This is a really fun song, and it's a lot different than a lot of the stuff I listen to. It's got a driving bass sound throughout. That really leads the song as Randy does spoken word lyrics over the music. Uh, the lyrics aren't exactly complex, but they're quite effective. It's basically a variation of, there's never anything to do in this town. I've lived here my whole life. Then as the music starts to build, the lyrics change to, there's kerosene around, find something to do. Kerosene around, need something to do. And then it gets to the climax. Kerosene, Kerosene. set me on fire. I really like this song because they managed to perfectly match the lyrical themes with the music. So the lyrics are all dealing with sort of boredom and the monotony of just being in this town and not having anything to do. And it holds sort of that monotonous rhythm throughout the, the song and the music until the kerosene is introduced into the equation. And then it erupts just like the vocals do. So, uh, if you're ever having one of those days where you're just restless and you want a song that captures that vibe, this is the song. This is it. Check it out. My number one pick is Burn the Priest with their cover of Kerosene. Oh, yeah. I'm a big a black fan. They're fucking cool. Um, this kind of started out almost System of a Down style. And I uh, wasn't really a fan of the bass sound they were using, but it's a cool bass riff and the drum groove is really badass i would like to jam to that but i really prefer these vocals than he normally does old randy i've said before i'm not a big fan of his style but this shit i would party with that all the time man uh so yeah this is an all right song to check out man yeah it's funny because uh i feel like this is his more this is like his preferred music that he listens to yes that's what it sounds what does, like that's you know? what it sounds like yes yeah. Anytime I've heard him do something in the more punk rock vein, you can kind of hear like the passion mm -hmm. behind it. So same thing with the the Jesse Leach when he does his other shit, he sounds yeah. better. But it's cool that he parties with the other. Interesting stuff. how they end up, you know. And it, it, I guess it's just like us, you know. Like we do jobs, and it's not necessarily the job that oh, we yeah. thought we were going to do. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. You know, so yeah. interesting. Like and share the podcast so we can do the job we want to do. Please. Oh man, if this was our job, I'll be. This show would be way cool. I would just spend all day making this shit fucking awesome. Can you what imagine the fuck? if that was all we had? Man. How yeah. much weird shit I would find if I just spent... Oh, man. All you, all you guys got to do is like and share, and we'll make you podcasts every day. We need to get robots to like and share, like sleep token. <laughs> Chat GPT. Let's get it fucking going. So, yeah, this Burn the Priest song had a uh, long-ass build. I thought it paid off. The bass riffing, to me, really stood out. Even though you didn't like the tone, the riffing itself, yeah, was really cool. And uh, it doesn't really sound like a lot of other Burn the Priest to me. No, this this covers album was totally different than the original Burn the Priest album. I Like I said, I think they just used the name. Mm -hmm. They definitely didn't do any of the stuff that they did originally with Burn the Priest. They It's mostly... 
hardcore punk type covers. So, which I'm normally not a hardcore punk kind of guy, but I I dug this album. And might, I dug the song too. Yeah, you might like the album because I I talked no, about I it on the covers episode. Yeah, uh, I talked about the Bad Brains cover that they did also. So mm-hmm. it's a cool album. It's a lot of fun. Good shit. Mm-hmm. They got a cover of Jesus Built My Hot Rod on there too. Oh yeah, yeah. Is that Ministry? Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. And it's all the same dudes. Yeah. All Lamb of God guys. Burn the Priest guys. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. they've never had any... At that point, I think that was before... Adler uh, left. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Right, yeah, before Chris Adler left, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I thought that shit sounded better than Lamb of God. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll rock out with that anytime you guys want to kick that on. All right. Good number one. My number one comes from Machine Head. Who's that? It's a band we talked about a lot, but this song, A Nation on Fire, doesn't get a lot of talk. Uh, they're thrash groove metal from California. Hey, California's come up quite a bit on this episode. Mm. Uh, this is off their 1994 debut album, Burn My Eyes. Uh, there's a slow acoustic build, which obviously I'm a sucker for. If you've listened to this uh, podcast, you know that's kind of my thing. Uh, pretty melodic uh, for much of the track, except the chorus. And the final minute where it goes super thrashy and that gets the live pick going. I have heard the song live. We heard the entire Burma Eyes album live one time, which was really cool. Uh, it always amazes me how relevant this album still stands from a political perspective to this day, almost 30 years after it's released. We're still having these same fucking issues. Yeah. <laughs> I could see that. I'm sure 30 years from now. Had the we'll same fucking the issues, same but with robots. Fucking issues, but Machine Head's a nation on fire. What'd you guys think of that one? Uh, I like the end bit. Like you said, it's real thrashy. I like that part. Yeah, and I think uh, in general, you talked about 30 years on and the message being relative, but what about the actual sound of this album? Like mm-hmm. It's aged very well. It still sounds relevant. It still sounds like something that's modern. It doesn't sound dated to me at all. No, not at all. So good stuff, good good track from Machine Head, but I mean, you could have picked just about any Machine Head song, and I wouldn't have had any objection to it. So there was a few of them, and honestly, uh, my true number one's probably from Metallica. It's Fight Fire with Fire, but you know I've talked about that song so many times, you guys didn't want to hear it again. So all right, but Machine Head, somehow you talked on about Fire is a fucking great track. Oh, Absolutely, yeah. all right. Uh, my number one track, I just uh, found out about these guys a couple months ago, thanks to old Beaumont Sabos. This is Fire Breather with their song Fire Foretold uh, for the 2017 self-titled debut album. Very fire. Seven minutes and ten seconds, uh, three-piece stoner metal band from Sweden. Uh, these guys sound like fucking high on fire, pretty much. Fucking awesome, cool, sludgy riffs, dirty vocals. Um, it's like High on Fire if they didn't have super badass drums. The dude's good. He's just no Des Kenzel. Um, I know you guys are fucking huge High on Fire fans. What do you think of Fire Breathers? Do you like High on Fire? Uh, yeah, a little bit. You, you mentioned them a few times. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're sort of okay. Cool. Pretty cool. Hey, uh, this song, uh, my first thought was, was this recorded in the 70s? Uh, that's probably where they're going with it. And in Sweden, they probably got some old time yeah. uh, production stuff there. So, yeah, it was very sludge doom nature. I actually, I enjoyed it, but it did yeah. sound like it was recorded a long time ago mm. and it wasn't. I don't, yeah. I don't remember listening to this song. Just like I don't remember listening to the High on Fire album. Oh, boy. Right. Come on, right. Jason. Come on. This guy. All right. Get him, Bobby. Nah, have that. 
That was all I had. That's all you got? You don't remember? All right. You were so blown Fuck. away, you're speechless. Yeah. It blew my memories right out of my brain. <laughs> Good, you know. Now you can't remember all that fucking dumb shit you listen to. We can get on to cool bands. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, that's a bunch of fire stuff we're talking about because it's fucking summertime and it's hot as fuck where we live. Yeah. Which Florida. is uh, yeah, that's probably the closest place to the sun. Hell. So uh, wherever the fuck you guys are, let us know what kind of fire songs you like. All right, everyone, that is our show for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed our discussion on the top six fire songs. That was fun. Let us know what your favorite fire songs are in the comments. Also, don't forget to give us a like and a follow on Facebook and Instagram at 2Metal for this. Drop your own six list in the comments section or give us some feedback on how we're doing and we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. Yeah, how fucking hard is that, people, you lazy bums? <laughs> Make sure you tune in for the next episode. We will be talking about Scandinavian metal bands. Mm-hmm. That's it for this week. Until next week, keep it metal and rage with respect. <laughs> <laughs>